Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Hey, come on. God is good. No. God is good. All the time. Give three high fives to people and just let them know God is good. Come on. Look around you. Maybe the person right behind you. God is good. God is good. God is good. In a world where things can seem not so good, when, when you hear of wars and rumors of war, and when you hear of tragedy and you hear of all these kind of things. As believers, we lift up the standard and we say there's one thing that is certain and that remains forever, and that is that our God is a good God. Amen? All right, praise God. So we hope you enjoyed the, the little video there. It's not a little video, though. It might have been a short video, but it's a huge video. And it's a, a, a video of, of where our heart is at. And, um, and we want to just kind of continue. This year is really a, a year of, of vision, um, a year in where we're establishing... Um, some things, putting some things in order, and, and to really go forward uh, from where we're at, just moving forward. Um, not necessarily at the place where we want to stay where we're at, but have the mindset of imagine what else God can do. Imagine the possibilities. Imagine what's out there. And uh, we don't want to, we know that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and, and we know that, that the Lord is victorious. And, and you know, in the middle of everything that this world has gone through and everything that we've discussed for the last two to three years, there's one thing that we've always said here, and it's that the Lord sits on his throne. And not one time ever, when man was confused, when governments were running around, when people were trying to figure out what truth and what wasn't, what's the solution and what's not, there's one thing that we've always said here, and that's that our God has always sat on his throne. And not one time has he ever been confused. Not one time was things going on on this earth and said, oh my gosh, how did that happen? That escaped my knowledge. Not one time, the whole time, he is in full, in total control. Our God is a sovereign God. He reigns. He is powerful. And that's who we serve. Amen? So, so with that, we, we want to go forward and, and believe in the God that we serve. And um, in this house, we've We've been faithful for years, and, and you're going to hear not just today, but in months and for the rest of the year. And I mean, we're even at a place where we're even thinking about 2023 and what that's going to look like and things that we're going to talk about and things that we're going to introduce to our church. And, and, and that, that's where our heart is, um, to really just uh, be prepared. Um, in week one of our series, The House That God Builds, I spoke on King David. And we just went through the passage, and there was something that was very interesting about King David. His desire to build a house. You guys remember that? And he wanted to build a house. And he came to the Lord with this desire, Lord, I long to build you a house. And the Lord's like, I feel for you, David. I get it. But you're not going to build me a house. As much as you want this house to be built, as much as you want a temple to be built for, you, for, for my people, it's not going to be you. It's not going to be you, but I'll tell you what, it's going to be your son. Your son will build a house for me, but not you. You're a man of much blood in your hands. I have different plans for you. I'm not done with you, but you're not going to build the house. And then the Lord says something so powerful, and I stress that in that message, where, he, where, where he's having a conversation, and the word that comes to David from the Lord is this, but I will build you a house, David. And that was something that just rocked our church. Something that really spoke heavily uh, to our church. Where David wanted to build the temple. A house for the Lord among God's people. And the Lord's reply back to David was, No thank you. But I will build you a house. I will build you a house. And David right there. I mean, think about that. Hearing that for a moment. My desire is to build for you. And yet your heart is to continue to build up things in me. To do a work in me, in my legacy, in my, the generations that come from me. And we've talked about that and I'll share that in my message. That years down the road, the much anticipated, the much awaited, and forgive me because I'll repeat this later. Messiah steps into the scene. And as he steps into some of the towns, 
one of the names that are thrown at him is what? Son of David. Son of David. And right then and there, what are you seeing? Evidence of the house that God has built David. The name of David, how it rose forward and the work that God was doing. And all of that was so that God can be glorified. So we have a vision. We have a desire. And it says David had in his heart. And it's to build a house for the Lord. It's to call a place our own. I was talking with the finance team and I needed like the exact numbers. And I don't know if you guys know this, but we come here every Sunday and it's, and it's been a beautiful place for us and for our children. I mean, this place transforms. If you were here for VBS, it becomes a railroad station. If, you, if you're here for the last one, it became a jungle with lions on the stage and stuff. Like this, this, we were, were able to grab this place and do whatever, do the best that we can with what we have. And, and we've been faithful with that and, and we've honored, we've, We've tried to do our best to honor the Lord with it. And if you've experienced that here, then amen. You know, you're of this house and you've seen a lot of great things in this house. You've seen um, some beautiful ups and, and some beautiful lows. You, you've seen some learning experiences in this house. And you've seen some great achievements and, and you've also seen some mistakes. There's things that we try to integrate and immediately the week after we cancel them. Like, what happened when we did this? Like, it's not happening anymore. It didn't go well. And that's the beautiful thing about being the church and, and doing all these things. And, but we do have a desire as David is, Lord, we want to continue to go forward. We want to continue to serve you in this community. We want to continue to serve families. And we want a place of our own and we want a place for our children to grow in. A place that could be ours because though this place has been awesome, as I was talking to the finance team, I think with our last contract and every time they raise it every year, it continues to go up 20 to 30%. For a church like us, that's a big hit to our chest. When you're, going, when you're, when you're giving us a new contract and you're saying, hey, it's gone up 30%. And you're like, geez, man, have some grace on us. Please have some mercy. You think, you know, after the last couple of years, you know, like, okay, we're going to, and, and it's just money talks, you know. So what we're doing, as David's heart was, our heart is, Lord, well, we believe that you're not done with us because we're still here. I'm going to be the first one to say there were so many times that we could have thrown in the towel. So many times that we could have turned away. So many times we could have said, this is a perfect time to close. But the Lord says, no, you stay open because I'm building a house. And this is not your house. Those are not your people. Those are not your sheep. I'm the shepherd of this house, the Lord says. And this is the house that I built. So our desire is, Lord, at least let us start right. And let us do well. So what are we doing? We're doing what David did. He started preparing. He knew, hey, maybe I can't build a house, so I'll start with this. I'm going to start the preparation. And he begins to store and store and store and store and store and store. And the storehouses are full. And by the time King Solomon comes to reign, he starts to empty all the storehouses. And he begins to build from his riches and from everything that his dad prepared for. So we'll see what season we're in. But I know it has to start with preparation. And if he wants us to prepare and build, amen, we're going to prepare and build. But if it's to prepare so that the next generation could build, then we'll prepare so that the next generation could build. But we're going to be faithful with what God's given us, and we're going to go move forward with our vision and with the vision that he's laid in our hearts. Amen? So behind me, I have some people, some finance, some creative, and I want them to share a little bit. Um, and as they, as they get ready to share, you're, um, you're going to receive this pamphlet. So I'm going to ask some of the hype team. They're going to go around and they're going to be handing you uh, this brochure. Forgive me, I keep calling it a pamphlet. A brochure of what we're going to go over, what we're going to be speaking about for months and, and for the year and maybe two and years to come. And it's going to be pretty much what our vision is uh, for the house that God builds, some goals that we're gonna, we want to meet. And how we're going to meet them. And, and the beautiful thing, and you're going to hear this a lot today. You're going to hear this from them. You're going to hear this from me. We started off the year as Omar said. If you remember, we did a test. Rizzo came up here. And he says, hey, we're going to do a spiritual gifts test. And you guys took a spiritual gifts test. And we spoke about what will you offer? What can you give to our church? I said this during 930 Huddle, and I said it in January and February. Imagine if 100% of us give 100% of ourselves to serving the Lord. To serving each other. Imagine what this church can be. We'd have to break open the walls. We'd have to like, I mean, I don't know what would happen in this community if 100% of us, 100% serve the Lord and serve each other. 
So, so that's what we've been asking you, that this is not just a leadership or a pastor's thing. This is where the whole church comes together and say, this is our role. This is what we can do. And this is my responsibility. This is what I can offer so that I could be a part of what Nest Church is doing. I want to be part of this movement. I want to be part of the future and what Nest Church is all about. So pray about that, not just in the financial aspect of it, but in your gifts and the talent that God's given you. Imagine, maybe you're someone that could create. Maybe you're someone that could host galas. Maybe you're someone that think the world, I mean, just there's no ceiling to it. And maybe you could implement some of that stuff here so that we can move forward in the vision that God's given us, all right? So use your gift. We can't wait to hear from you, your ideas. I'm going to pass the, the mic over and give the platform, uh, I guess, to finance, and they're going to go over some stuff with you. Let's give them a hand, you know, praise God. Hello, can you hear me? So once again, a few weeks ago, we came up here and we said we are finance, so we're part of finance again. Um, we're very excited about this announcement, right? Uh, it's been very hard to keep it in from a lot of people that have been asking us, hey, what's going on? What are you guys hyping up for um, and whatnot? So um, I want to go ahead and start by stating that you know, we're a small church, but even with that small church, as your pamphlet says, we've raised already up to $200,000. So for a church of this size, yep, give it up for yourselves. We've been able to, to save that amount, which is a great start, right? Um, with that start, we have a goal in mind, right? And I'm very courageous in stating this, and I believe it true-heartedly that it's a minimum goal. We have a minimum goal of $500,000. Um, we want to achieve this by September of 2023 uh, to go ahead and make our next moves as, as our church, right? Um, I'm going to pass the mic on uh, for you guys to hear of ways that we can achieve this goal. Um, and uh, here it is. Hi, everyone. Well, I do want to say thank you for your giving. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be good stewards with the money that you have been um, very generous. Uh, many families have been extremely generous in um, tithing faithfully and giving additional offerings. So we thank you. And with this new campaign of um, looking for and searching for a permanent property, we have expanded our uh, finance team so we don't have everyone in here uh, JB is in the uh, with the children and we have Crystal here and I know that part of our original finance team is senior but I don't know where oh right back there so we really thank you for dealing with us in the late nights because we usually work after our kids are asleep so um, we really thank you for dealing with us so um, there's so many ways to give and in the blue portion of the brochure, you'll see here that there are plenty of ways to give. You can do um, through text. For the more techie people, we have text. We have online building. Um, Lou is going to speak a, a bit more about a website that's been created that you see there. So you can give online as well through our church app. And if you're old school, that's fine. You can give through check and just put in the memo. Um, about the building fund and if there are any questions we don't want you to leave today without having your questions answered or any ideas that you have shared will be in the hype tent after church uh, feel free to ask us any questions and if you leave and you think of something else feel free to reach out to us if you have our number or through finance at nestchurch.com so thank you so much good morning guys so this pamphlet's a pretty cool resource. Everything that you should need is within the pamphlet from the vision um, to our code. Um, everything should be pretty clear. It's something useful that you could give out to anybody you know, wherever you're at. Um, after service, there's going to be a stack in the Hype Center where you could get a whole bunch and just give them out to whoever you feel in your heart to give out to. The cool thing is that everything that's on the pamphlet as well is going to be on our website. Um, we have two ways of reaching that site. You could either go to thehouse.godbuilds.com or you can go to nestchurch.com and it'll still direct you to a tab that, says, that takes you there. So the awesome thing is that everything that's in this pamphlet is also going to be on the website. So you'll find the vision, you'll find methods how to give. Everything will be clear on there. There'll also be a, do a donation letter on there as well, which you could give to companies or to friends or to whoever and it'll let them know like information on what we're doing and, and how to give and all that. 
So you could download that PDF and also send that to them as well. Um, at the end of the year, we'll also be giving uh, tax statements as well. So whoever gives will be providing those statements as well. And then, um, you know, on the website, you could also reach it on our app too. On our app, you could go to, the, there's a tab within our app and it'll take you there as well. So there's a lot of ways to get there. It should be very, very easy to do that. Um, one last thing I wanted to say as well is that this might seem like it's hard for a long time, but it's not necessarily where the vision where we were thinking last year or something like that, oh, we're gonna do a series called The House That God Builds, and then when we do that series in February, we're gonna announce this whole campaign, and it really wasn't like that. This vision kind of was stirred on our heart very, very recently. Uh, as actually Pastor Rigo started the series, after that first message was when all of this really started to get stirred. Um, so it's amazing that even though we have things on our heart and things that maybe we, we were thinking about for a long time, um, God is the one who takes the vision and, and sort of amplifies it, you know, in a way that's clear and, and that we can move forward with. And um, I, I just think we should give glory to God for that because we, we can't do it ourselves, you know. God sort of just does it. Um, so, yeah, I think that this is a very exciting time for our church. I think it's an awesome, awesome thing that we should all be excited about. Um, every dollar counts. I know that it seems very ambitious, this large number we're throwing out. But look, as a small church, we've already raised 200000 That's, I mean, it's amazing. So every dollar counts. And we believe that, you know, as we go out, we reach out. God is faithful and he, and he will multiply. So Praise God. Praise God. There you go. Now I'm on. Um, so we want to just continue. I, I do have a message I want to share that God's laid in my heart um, as we continue with this series. But I think um, I think this is something good for you guys. Like like these these uh, brochures are going to be at the hype center, so you could go ahead and you could take a few of them, pass them out. You could uh, email the donation letter. You could print them out, pass them out. Talk to people, talk to family, talk to businesses. But but we always we want to offer this stuff to you so that way you guys can have it in your hands you guys can read it over. But most importantly, don't ever think that we have it all figured out um, because you um, can play such a role. Like I said earlier, uh, with your ideas and if God's placed you here, you know, with things that maybe you, how you could implement stuff uh, within our church. So we can't wait to hear from some of you. Make sure you talk to us if you can't get to us today because maybe you thought think about something tomorrow afternoon while you're eating lunch. Like oh wait we're still going to be here. So make sure you speak to us, speak to someone, uh, um, one of the, some of the leadership, speak to someone in the Hype Center tonight, today, before you leave, but, but feel free to, to share your heart. How many of you can say amen to that? Amen? So praise God. As you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Um, we always like to say that the best place to start taking notes, if, you have, if you're not a note taker, is to start right here in the house of God. And as we get into scripture and as we get into text and and um, it's good to write notes and to study them uh, because there's just so much that we could do with 45 minutes to an hour or whatever it is where you could take it home and you could study some more or uh, you could go de even deeper in places that maybe we didn't have a chance to go into on a Sunday gathering. But we believe that when we come to this moment in our gathering, uh, we, we believe that it's for the Word to do what the Word is called to do. You know, the Scripture is called the... Uh, I know, I know this sounds kind of brutal, but it's the truth. It's a double-edged sword. And, and it comes in and it pierces and it cuts, uh, but it does that uh, to then bring forth his character. It, it does that to transform us into his image. How many of you know that the Lord loves you just the way you are? But the true gospel continues and it says, but the Lord loves you so much that he wants to transform you into who he is. Amen? And that's what we believe here at our nest. It's not just stay the same. God still loves you. It's come as you are. He does love you. But give your heart to him fully, and he wants to transform you. How many of you just need a transformation work of God? All the time, man, in our lives. So take out your notes and write this down. The house that God builds. We're going to continue on this. This is part five. Everyone say five. five. Yeah, five. Um, part five, and um, I'll give you the, 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 the title, title of the message um, or the subtitle of it in a, in a minute. But this series, as I introduced this, uh, has been uh, such a fun one for me. 
uh, one in which I believe was meant for our church personally. This series of the house that God builds. The Lord has, has truly made it personal to us in the last five weeks. I know that when I've been studying the word and even go back to listen to it or go back and even study my notes. And many times as I'm taking notes and studying the scripture, I've had to stand up. I've had to really talk to God in, in conversation in the middle of my preparation of, of the message of the sermons that I'm going to preach because of how personal he's been making it um, and how unique it's been for us. It feels as, as if we've taken a journey. If you've been with us since week one, it feels like you're taking a journey with us um, through the house that God builds. We've gone from King David, uh, the desire to build a temple, we said, and getting all the preparations ready and ready for his son, and then from King David, we went to his son, King Solomon, and how Solomon was the first one to build a house, a house for the Lord among his people. And then when, after we were done with King Solomon, we, we took one of those uh, uh, future gadget things, whatever it's called, teleport things, and we took off to 400 years after King Solomon. We traveled 400 years later to the book of Haggai, and we saw how the temple, the house of the Lord, was rebuilt through Zerubbabel's leadership. And, and we stayed there for a little bit after it had been ruined by the Babylonians during the Babylonian captivity. How many of you remember that message? It was just last week. All right. Do you, if not, I'll preach that one again today, and then we'll do this one next, next time. But we learned all these things, and we've learned that the house of God, the house that God is building, uh, and that his focus throughout all scripture is not just a building. Yeah, we're talking about a building and a place called home. But it's bigger than that. It's because what good is a building? What it, what it, what it is, it's, it's the, the ones that are inside that, that make that building. It's like a home. You know, what good is a home? It's the, the family that lives inside of that home that truly makes it a home. And, and that's the reality of, of God's heart throughout all scripture. It's not just the building, the emphasis of the house of God. And even Omar came up and shared this um, in week three. It's God, it's Christ, it's, it's his spirit dwelling in us, amen? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want to share a, a passage real quick, a few verses. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9, if you could turn there, write this in your notes. Um, I know the scriptures will come up on the screen. But it's good sometimes just to see this and take notes and circle and highlight but I want to read um, verses 8, 9, um, and 10, and, and just watch what, what it says here, and what it speaks of. Uh, it speaks of the Old Testament temple, since that's what we've been talking about, the house of God. And how the Old Testament temple, it represents something greater, something greater that is to come. And what is this something greater that is to come as we read it in the Old Testament, this temple? We, we see it introduced finally as we get to the New Testament. As we get there, we, we see it introduced, and not just introduced, but here we are in uh, 2022, uh, and we are experiencing it now. What was introduced through the ministry and life of Christ is now being experienced, hopefully, in every single one of our lives. So in Hebrews 9, in Hebrews 9 it speaks about the earthly sanctuary, or depending what translation you read from, the earthly holy place. I want you to think about that. Think about that title for a moment. That, the earthly sanctuary or the earthly holy place. Let's read starting in verse 8. It says this. It says, by this the, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. Let me pause there for a moment. Because I started in verse 8 for the sake of time. But if you read throughout the whole chapter, especially in the verses prior to this, it's speaking about what I told you. It's speaking about the temple. And maybe in your mind right now you have Solomon's temple in your mind. Maybe you have the structure of it. If you remember when we started this series, I put a picture up of the temple of Solomon, the one that was constructed. Then I also put the Brazilian billionaire's temple that he built in Brazil. That was, I don't know how many billions of dollars. All right? And we've shown you all these pictures. So whichever one that you have in your mind, maybe you have the New Testament picture of Herod's temple. 
And, and here is the temple. And, and chapter 9 is speaking about the Old Testament temple, the, the, the offerings and the sacrifices and the worship that would go on in the temple, in the house of God. You guys are with me. And as it's being uh, 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 described and it's being drawn out and it's being written out for the reader because we don't know for sure who the author of Hebrews is, but he's writing this text and he's allowing because the Jewish people know exactly what he's talking about. It's dear to their heart. The temple is their place of worship. The holy place is the place where the presence of God dwells in. For them, it's where the high priest would go once a year into the Holy of Holies, it's, it's a very special picture. It's something that today they're still waiting for, claiming for. And like you heard me say last week, praying against the wall, believing for their third temple to be built. So that's what Hebrews 9 is describing. So we find ourselves in verse 8, as that is the description of what's happening here in this text. And the author says... By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. You may read that and say, well, what is he saying? It's straight to the point, really. It's just sometimes the translation of it. It's basically that the old had to pass away before God's new way could be revealed. God wanted something to do in the land. He wanted to do something amongst his creation. But the old way, the old way of things had to pass. Had to be established and had to be completed. But it had to pass away before God can do something new. And that's what that scripture is saying. In verse 9, look what it goes on to say. He says, which is the same thing. We're, we're connecting verse 8 with verse 9 which is symbolic for this present age. So there's something that needs to pass away. And this is all symbolic for this present age. The Old Testament temple and the things that we're speaking about, verse 9, all of this is symbolic for this present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Hebrews could be difficult at times to understand, but don't miss the heart of God here. So he goes on in verse 9 and he says, all of this that I'm saying is symbolic for this time that we're in. The word symbolic there, you should write this down in your notes. I'm not making this up. I'm not creating things to make it sound good, to make it fit my message. The word symbolic in the Greek is parabole or something like that. I, I, I don't know. But it's parabole. But you get where I'm going with the word parabole. It's a word in which we get in English parable. And when he says it is symbolic for this present age, another way of translating that, it is a parable for this age. So, so think about how amazing scripture is. We get this word parable. So what is the author saying? And I'm going to make, I'm just building it all up to bring my main point today. So the tabernacle and all of the old covenant represents all of that. All that that represents, the, the tabernacle and the old covenant, all that suggests and speak of deeper truths. They're parables of something greater that is to come. They're parables of what the author is going to introduce as a new covenant. It says this. He says, according to the arrogance gifts uh, arrangement, gifts, and sacrifices are offered up that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Here's the author again. He's drilling things to the Old Testament thinker. And he says, basically, who are the ones that would worship? Who's the one that would give worship and the gifts and the sacrifices? Who's he pointing at here in this text? He said, the priestly service. The author is saying, the priestly service under the old covenant, could not make the priest offering those sacrifices perfect and clean in regard to the conscience. At the end of the day, those priests, as much as they offered, there was still wrong. There were still things in them. They weren't perfect or perfected. 
So if the cleansing is incomplete for the priest, how much more for the person that the priest worked on behalf of? See, in the Old Testament, the people needed to be forgiven for their sins. How many of you need to be forgiven of your sins? The Lord forgives you of your sins. How do you go about your forgiveness of your sins? Well, you have a high priest. We'll get into that. But in the Old Testament, the high priest would bring the lamb of God, the spotless lamb of God, and he would lay hands on it. And he would pray for the sins of the people to be transferred upon this lamb. And they would give it unto the Lord as an offering, as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. So notice this statement. If the cleansing is incomplete for the priest, imagine for the ones that he's praying for. It's like the people that idolize like preachers and pastors. And then they have a downfall. And then the whole church gets shaken. You're like, there was nothing about them. They were just a vessel. They just had, that was their calling. That's the role. That's the position. That's the yes, Lord. Here I am, send me. But it does, there's still a son of God as you are a son of God. The priest had issues in his life just as the ones he was praying for. And I love that I could be transparent and say, don't ever put me in that place. Because I have issues in my life just like you have issues. So don't put me in a place where I shouldn't be. Just put me in the place where I should be. Amen? And every other person that is in that position. And that's what the author is saying here. There's, there, here are people and it's incomplete. The offering and the worship. So, so what's to come? What is all of this about? Verse 10. Is a an addition to verse 9. So the gifts, <clears throat> the sacrifices, cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but, verse 10, <clears throat> they deal only with food and drink, various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. So the weakness or the weaknesses of the priestly service. The priestly service, think about this, would fall short. The weaknesses of them, <clears throat> they fall short in the old covenant. It was unable to address the real problem. The, the, they would come and they would give an offering. They would come to the house of the Lord. But all of that is still unable to address the real problem. And the real problem for all mankind is the inner transformation in all of us and that's the need the need is we need to be transformed once and for all so scripture says here in this text that it was only imposed until the time of reformation i'm done with hebrews but let me explain a little bit more the old system everyone say old system though it was lacking it was for, Scripture says, it was imposed until man can be completely reconciled to God. It uses the word reformation, reconciled to God. So I wrote this actually in my notes just like this. I put, well, it comes now in the flesh in the New Testament. It's revealed to us in the life and in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Listen to this now. Jesus... Our high priest comes, and he comes to offer up to a father a greater offering than any priest in the Old Testament can ever offer up. How many of you can say amen? We're in the same place here. And he comes to offer up our <clears throat> offering to the father, a greater sacrifice. Our high priest becomes not just our high priest, but only in the manner and the fashion that he could. <clears throat> he also becomes our atonement as first john chapter 2 verse 2 teaches us and he becomes not just the high priest for all of us that needs forgiveness but he also becomes as john the baptist would look at him one day and point his finger at him he also becomes the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world so he comes to reconcile us once and for all completely Reconcile us to our Father. Listen to this. What no offering, what no sacrifice, 
what no man, what no priest was able to do. Jesus does it. So now we don't fall incomplete through the old system. But in Christ, the new system, the new covenant, now we're made whole and reconciled. We are found, we are made now sons and daughters to our Father. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16 says this. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest, speaking of Jesus, who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. He says, let us hold fast our confession. Another translation says it this way. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points he was tempted as we are, yet he is without sin. What is scripture saying? He understands our weaknesses. We hold fast to our faith. We hold firmly to what we believe in. Here is the Son of God, our high priest, passing through the heavens. And yet he comes and understands everything that mankind goes through. So what do I do with that? What do you do? What do we do as we listen to verse 15? Look at verse 16. What do I do? He understands my weakness. He, he came from heaven. What happens now in my life? Verse 16. Let us. Everyone say let us. So let us, therefore, because of who Jesus is, come on, because of who Jesus was and because of what Jesus has accomplished and completed, because of the truth who is Christ Jesus, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we would obtain mercy and find grace in help in the time of need. That the only reason and the only way that I could receive mercy and find grace to help me in the time of need, the only way that I could come boldly through the throne of grace is because Jesus Christ passed through. He passed through and he made it possible. It's because of what he's done. You know, in my notes, I actually wrote this down. This should be amazing to all of us. To all of us. You know, when Moses asked to see the face of God, God's like, Moses, what you're asking I can't do. Well, why not? Show me your glory. He's like, no man has seen my face and lived. It's not going to be, it's not going to be for your benefit. Don't, don't ask me to see my face. You're not going to make it. I'm wondering if there was a thing of Moses that everything in him just wanted to die. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But, 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 but the Lord is like, what you're asking for is a lot. And Hebrews tells us, but wait a minute. What no man has ever, have, has ever been able to do, now we're able to do. We could come uh, not ashamed, not timid, not, not, not all these different words and but the beautiful thing of verse 16, it says, but we could come boldly to the throne of grace. Another way of saying that is you could come with confidence before the presence of God and saying, Lord, there's something that I need today. And it's I need help. I need your grace. Not only should this be amazing to all of us, but this should be truly humbling to every single one of us. Jesus comes during a time where there was a temple erected for God. When Jesus was here, who's, was there a temple for the Jewish people and for God? Yeah. Jesus is doing ministry. <laughs> Come on, guys. I need you to listen to this because now I'm coming to an end. Jesus, you know what I mean. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> is healing the sick and Jesus is walking and 15,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people are following him. Jesus is doing miracles. Jesus is, I mean, I don't know about you. I've been to a lot of funerals, but he's raised up a dead person. I mean, Jesus is doing ministry. Jesus is giving life. Jesus has been said of him, no other man has spoken like this. 
Jesus is in the land around the proximity of where the temple's by even. Because he's a Jew, he goes often to the temple during the feasts. He goes to Jerusalem because he's a true Jew. Jesus, during his time, there's a temple that's erected for God. And the second temple was in place in Jerusalem. And it was beautiful. It's, as we know it as, or we call it as Herod's temple. Let's show a picture of it. It's Herod's temple. This is Herod's temple. And, and I mean, what a beautiful structure. I mean, guys, this is a replica of it, obviously. Because if you go today, there is no temple there. If you go today, the blocks are on the floor. And if you go deep enough, you'll see Solomon's foundation. You'll see the blocks that belong to Solomon. And then right off the bat, you'll see the blocks that belong to Herod. They're collapsed, especially after 70 AD. They're there. They're there for you to see that there was once a temple there, but it was taken and the gold was taken. Rome destroyed that temple. That was Herod's temple during the time of Jesus. But as that temple is, you could just leave it up there for a little bit. As that temple is erected during Jesus' time, Jesus a Jew doing ministry amongst Jewish people. That's their place of worship. That's their holy place. Come on. This is where the priest would go. This is where sacrifices and the offerings were given. It was in the house of God. It was in the temple of the Lord. <clears throat> Jesus is alive and doing ministry during the erection of that building. And it was operating just well. Actually, too well. He had to walk in one day and flip over tables and throw money around and said, You made the house of God a den of thieves. You made it as a money maker, not as a place of worship. And Jesus had to come and bring judgment. But, but, but that's what was going on. It was present. It was there. Yet, Jesus doesn't come to take it over. Jesus doesn't come to claim it as his. Because if it's the temple of God, he could stand in the front and say, this is my house. This is where I'm chilling at. This is where I'm resting at for the rest of my time on earth. This is the temple of mine. But in Jesus' exact words, he says things like, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head while there is a temple erected for him. Like, let that sizzle in your brain. How many of you ever saw that like that? Oh my God, it's true. The temple of God was erected. And here's God in the flesh. And yet, he doesn't stand there and say, everybody, this is my house. Make room. Where's my chamber? Where do I sleep at? He doesn't stay there. He doesn't just stay and teach there. Listen to this. He doesn't just heal there. Because it's the temple. And hey, this is where the presence of God should be, so I might as well stay here. Instead, Jesus, the very presence of God, is not confined to a physical structure. How many of you could say amen to this? That the very presence of the Lord is not confined to a physical structure like this, but is moved with compassion towards man, who would become, not this, who man then would become the new tabernacle and the new house of God. So what does Jesus do? Oh, I know, I'll tell you what he does. Ready with his life? Watch how cool he is. He begins to go to parties. I could prove it to you biblically. He goes to parties. He goes to the homes. He goes to the towns of sinners. And then guess what he does with them? He dines with them. Can you believe that Jesus dines with sinners? Some of you are like, I can't believe it. Dude, he dines with you. He dines with sinners. He goes to the towns of sinners. He dines with them. Listen to this. He talks with them. Not only that, he asks them for water. <laughs> Remember that woman? Give me some water. He, not only does he ask them for water, he allows them sinners to wash his feet. He comes across all kinds of people. Let's be honest. He comes across prostitutes and blind beggars and lepers. And because it's tax season, yes, Tax collectors as well. How many of you are tax collectors here? You, I'm, I'm, I'm not bashing you, but, but Jesus loves you too. And 
And he loved the tax collectors. Well, you, we know the reason why during his time. He comes across thieves and adulterers. He does. How many of you remember the a woman that now was heard about having adultery? They brought her to Jesus saying she was caught in the very act of adultery. And what does Jesus do when everyone leaves her? He says, where are your accusers? She says, they've all gone. And what does he say? I don't accuse you no more either. Adulterers. Us in our religiosity, we've banned the adulterer. We put signs out. We say all kinds of mean things to people because of the lifestyle that they've chosen rather than bringing them in so that they can experience Christ and that the Lord can transform them. Because we get so caught up with religion that we forget that Christ is a God of relationship. And if you just come into the presence and you allow him to dine with you, he can make your crooked path straight again. He dines with these people. He dines with them so much that the religious elite said, huh, he should be at my house. And he looks at them and says, no, the last place I want to be is in your house. He calls them weird names. There's a woman who is a prostitute that uses the oil to lure men into bed to make money. And she's washing his feet with that oil, with those tears, and with her hair. And Jesus says, I'd rather be here with her than dining with you. Never does he speak down against her. Never does he call her a bad name. Instead, he looks at the religious elite that are so proud and arrogant in their own heart because of religiosity, and he says, you're brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs. You're filled with dead man's bones. <sighs> you tell me the heart of God. You think you know it all, huh? I think I know it all. Because guess what I like to do? I ban people and I shame people and I can't associate with them. And the Lord looks at you and says, and who are you? Who am I? My ministry, my heart towards men. Put the temple back up there. Why do I keep saying it off? I get that this thing is erected. But my ministry, watch this. I'm not confined to that. Come on, I need you to listen to this. I'm not confined to that because that confines my ministry. If I stick to just that, then I'm a limited God. So I don't need that to worship. Listen, I'm asking you guys to give like you've never given so we could call a place called home. But I'm telling you that that home is not going to make this place more spectacular. I'm telling you that what is spectacular is the stuff that happens outside of that home. It's what the presence of the Lord is doing inside every single one of us. So give and, and be part of the fundraising and, and give your millions of dollars. I know. I just thought it would sound good. But that's not the answer. The answer is, is Jesus Christ dining with you because you are the new system. You are the new covenant, the tabernacle of God amongst us. Not that. We're going for this, but the leadership here knows it's not this. If this is well, this is coming. But we're not asking for this so that this could get well. We're asking for this to get well so that this could be good. We don't want to, we're going to do it upside down and inside out because that's how the kingdom of God operates. And we're holding each other accountable. And I think I've preached enough. He hangs out with adulterers. Yeah. He hangs out with demoniacs. All sorts of criminals. And Jesus begins to transform their hearts. What does he do? What does he do? He begins to reconcile hearts. What is that called? That is the great reformation. We like to give the title of Reformation to a certain theologian or through a certain time period. We're grateful for those men of God. But the greatest transformer in the world, transformation worker, is Jesus Christ. He begins to reconcile. And he begins to establish a new order, a new system. 
And it's this. This is the house that God now builds. It's us. You are the house of God. And this presence does not live in... Come on, put the temple back up. Rudy, today you could come before the, um, boldly before the throne of grace and ask for mercy. <laughs> Rudy's doing a great job. We love Rudy. Amen. Yeah. Amen. His presence does not live in the four walls. His presence lives in each of us. I don't know if that's biblical. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? Chapter 6, verse 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So I'm talking to the adulterer, to the drug addict, to the fornicator. I'm talking to the one... Uh, I don't know, who's strung out on whatever. I'm talking to the homosexual. I'm talking, I'm talking to the, the, the width of whatever you want to call it and say something beautiful. And the beautiful thing is that we're not condemning and we're not bringing you down and we're not bashing anyone. We're telling you that the Lord wants to make you his home and he wants to transform your heart and your life. Isn't that a beautiful thing to hear? Because they live, we live condemned, and I have to get things right. How many times have I said that here? And the Lord's like, no, you don't. Let me make things right. Let me do the work that no man can do, that religion can't do. He's building a house, and here's the house that God is building. How many, how, here's the house that God is building. Not that. Amen. Let's do it. But it's even greater. You want to see the house that, how many of you want to see the house that God is building? No, I'm being serious. I took pictures of it. Are you ready for my vision? Hold on, bro, because I, I almost want to get down, but, you know, we do YouTube now and all that. And this, I feel this is as close as I could get to you. I've not all sit with you guys. But we went around, and we've been going around, and we've been taking pictures without you knowing. Some of them you know. You know about them because you were, maybe you saw it happen, obviously. But we've gone around and we've taken pictures of our vision, of our heart, of God's heart. And this is the house that God is building. This is the house that God wants to dwell in. How many of you are ready for it? You're going to be floored. You, okay, here it. Put Herod's temple back up. All right. Here's Herod's temple. It's not that. It was made of gold, and Solomon's was beautiful, and Herod's was beautiful. And my God, it cost so much money to build this thing. But what I'm about to show you blows this temple out of the water. The Jewish people are still praying, waiting for their third temple, and they don't get it. Watch the pictures of the new tabernacle of God. The Lord has given me revelation. I'm a prophet of my time. He's giving me insight. Are you ready? Because he's giving me the manifestation that's glorious of the Lord to show me what the new direction of the tabernacle of God looks like. Here it is. Enjoy it with me. Let's show some temples of God. The true tabernacle of God. Come on, let's, go, let's just keep glorifying what the Lord is doing in the house of the Lord. Let us glorify the tabernacle of God. And let's say, let's give God some praise. Come on, I know there's more than that. This is the house of God. This is the dwelling place of the Lord. This is where the Lord says, I am theirs and they are mine. The sheep, they hear my voice and they know me and I hear them and I know them. This is my house. This is what I long to dwell in. The house of God is us. It's every single one. Look at us. Put that one back. We're sitting in the old house of God. Those are the actual steps of Herod's temple. We went to Israel, and little did we know that sitting in the old house of God is the house of God, the new house of God, established on the old house of God. There we are. The next one. We are the temple, the new tabernacle. It's you. It's the person sitting next to you. However you see them. 
They're beautiful. They're, they're, they, they're worth more than gold and silver. They're worth more than the cedar trees of Lebanon like Solomon's temple. They're worth the blood of the Son of God. I hope you could come build with us. I hope you told everyone and their mothers. This is Hylio, so you could talk like that in Hylio. You need to come to church with me. Because God is building a house. And then they come here like, what are you talking about? And you look at them with a smile. And you take them out to lunch after church on Sunday and say, it's you. God is building you. As they're waiting for a new home, God is calling you his home. You're it. You're the new tabernacle. All right, Abdi. I see you looking at me. She's like, come on, preacher. You already said you're ending. Here it is. I'm done. Through his son, through Jesus, he establishes a house forever. Can you put up a group picture of all of us? You could throw away Herod's temple. I'm not going to bother you no more about that. That's a nice one. Through his people, in Jesus Christ, he establishes, come on, he establishes a house forever. Do you guys know that you are forever? You are a forever being. This building is not a forever being. Earth will fade away and burn. Actually, earth will be done so done away with that there's going to be a new earth one day. So don't get so fascinated with this earth. Don't get so fascinated like some people are waiting for their third building that they miss out. It's not in the material things. It's in the spiritual things. You missed out in trying to grab a new building that you are the new building. So what I'm trying to tell you is Jesus is establishing a house forever. And here it is. God's heart has always been this. From our whole journey from the first week to the fifth week today, we've taken a journey to know the heart of God in the house that he is building. And there it is. From 1 Chronicles 17.10, the Lord declares to David, I, not you, David, I will build a house for you. To Jesus' very own words. Come on, listen to this because this is amazing. To Jesus' very own words in John 14. Look what God says in the Old Testament. Look what God says in the New Testament. And how we bring it together. I'm going to build you a house, David. What does Jesus say? Here it is. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God and you believe also in me. And in my Father's house. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, do you hear what Jesus is saying? I'm going to go build you a house. I'm going to go build you a home. If I go prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. I love that the worship team saying, where you go, I'll go. Where you say, I'll say. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. So Jesus, at the end of everything, is saying the same thing as he said in the beginning of everything. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to establish a kingdom for you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, it says, Therefore, what's the kind of house that he's building? Here it is. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll like them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rock is Jesus. I'm building a house, he says. I'm building your house. And the house that I'm building, it's on a rock. And when the rain descends and the flood comes and the winds blow and they beat on your house, the house that God is building, right? It does not fall, for it was founded on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. That's the house that God is building. Not this one. Everyone who hears these sayings and does not do them, that one's like a foolish man. He builds his house on sand. The rain descends, the floods come, the wind blows, beats on the house, and it fell and great was its fall because it wasn't established in the one who builds it and the one who builds it scripture teaches us it's the chief cornerstone it's jesus christ our lord the rock on which the house is built he is building you a house for himself to dwell in and be glorified and it starts with you how many of you could say amen come on can you stand with me lord we thank you and we love you Let's sing one more song to the Lord. And then our brother's going to come. 
and he's going to share a quick testimony and he's going to close us off in prayer. But Lord, as we sing this last song and we close up, we know that you're doing a mighty work at our nest. And yes, we have a vision. And yes, we have a desire. And yes, we're preparing the way so that we could establish it, so we could call a place home. But Lord, not for once are we confused. Not for once are we missing the great picture, which is the house that you're building. It's every single one of us. It's some of these chairs that are still empty that are going to get filled because you're going to build houses and these houses are going to sit. These tabernacles, these temples are going to sit in these chairs and their lives are going to be transformed and we're going to welcome them as the house of God as we gather as the house of God. Hallelujah, Lord. So we give you our lives. Come on, right there where you're at. If you need to ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. If you need to come boldly before the throne of grace, come on, come with confidence. If you need to just worship him and give him thanks, give him thanks one last time. But don't leave here without surrendering. Don't leave here without saying, Lord, here I am. I needed to hear this message today in my life. This is the message that I needed to hear. Thank you, Lord. For I am the house that you are building. I am, Lord, the new system, the new establishment, the very place where the presence of the Lord dwells in. Come on, can you worship with me? Let's sing a song. Before we go, hallelujah, Lord.